Welcome to yet another episode of When a Guy Has a Really Fucked Gender. I'm thrilled to be joined this week by Max Graves. Max, would you like to say hello to the audience? Hi, I'm Max. Um, you may know Max as the uh, author and artist behind Dog Names, Someone Else, and now What Happens Next. If I'm getting, did I get all those names right? Okay, you were very close. Everyone gets this wrong, um, or not everyone, but, and this sounds really, really snarky on my part. I don't mean it that way. It was honestly a mistake on my part to not just name the whole thing dog names, probably for, for branding reasons, but I wanted the different sections of the comics to have different names. So what happens next is the name for like the whole comic on an overarching level. Then the first chapter is dog names, the second chapter is someone else, and the third chapter is no matter what. And the third chapter okay, is the one that's right. currently in progress. Yes. Um, which I'm just looking at and seeing that you updated it tonight. Um, yes. So I, 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 did my, I did my reread yesterday, so now I'm, there's, there's things that I'm... Um, out there are like three pages worth of panels that I'm, I'm missing. So. Yeah, sorry we'll about that. We'll fix that. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Um, it's great. But let's talk about let's talk about you first, and then maybe we can get into the comic some later. Um, how would you describe your gender? Um, I don't know. I think it's sort of like at this point, I've been out for like compared to the total of my lifespan. So I'm 21. I've been out as transgender in some capacity since I was 15. It was sort of like. My parents were not supportive of it, but I would use, like, a different name and pronouns around my friends and online, and I did my best to uh, present quote-unquote masculine uh, most of the time, even though I had uh, pretty limited options. And uh, I've been on tea uh, on and off. I have a very weird approach to medical transition. Well, not weird. Uh, I just get depressed and stop trying sometimes. Uh, which is embarrassing to admit, but, like, might as well. Um, and at this point, I think I'm just sort of, I don't know, like, I've gone through so many different phases uh, with, like, what what am I doing? Like, what's the point of any of this? Uh, where now, I don't know, I'm just sort of performing, like, being just a guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, my new thing is that I'm just, like, a guy who's normal in, like, a straightforward way. And, like, I'm not going to answer any questions about my gender. Uh, and I'm not going to talk about it with people. Which is funny because, like, obviously my entire artistic practice, like, is hugely influenced by the fact that I'm trans and I'm writing about trans people and trans subculture. So, I don't know. Like, part of it is just, like, I want people online to respect my privacy and I want people in my, like, day-to-day life to respect my privacy. Um, And part of it is, I guess, um, I don't know. There's a nervousness that I have about people seeing me differently uh, because I'm transgender and not, I guess, sort of like a, a lack of respect there. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm really kind of going on it, but it seems like this is sort of the format of the podcast where you just kind of let people talk. So uh, I'll just sort of continue I'm, I'm, digging. I'm going my to let brain. you talk a lot. No, I'm going to let you talk a lot. Well, okay. So can you can you walk me through some of these phases of? I'm sorry, I know this is like an embarrassing question, but like. Well, maybe it's not embarrassing. I don't know. I feel like the way that you've described it, it might be. Like, what's what were some of the sort of, like, phases of um, 
things that you were trying to do that you're you're kind of past or no longer doing? I don't know. I mean, like when I was in high school, when I was like 15 or 16, like I had pretty advanced Tumblr brain, which is probably not surprising considering the stuff I write about. And I really wanted to be like, oh, I'm like breaking down the gender binary. And I'm like being revolutionary. And I was also sort of compensating by the for the fact that like I didn't really have the resources to pre- present really masculine. And like it made it easier for me to move through the world with my family and with the people around me if I like didn't go too hard on that. So I was like, oh, I'm like being a gender nonconforming man. When like, you know, like there's nothing wrong with being a man and being gender nonconforming. Obviously, like I'm... um. I'm still like obvious, like to a degree, gender nonconforming, partially just because of the way I look, but also sometimes because I look, but also like sometimes I will like deliberately be like, okay, like I'm going to a gay event with my friends, like I'm trying to look gay, uh, and this is fine. Um, it's funny. I feel like a lot of trans trans mass people like kind of. I don't know, like, I don't want to, I want to, like, find a way to, like, talk about it without being an asshole, because I don't want to be like, oh, you can't be a trans man and not pass, or you can't be a trans man and be gender nonconforming, because obviously that's not true, and that's not ridiculous, or, and that's ridiculous, but I think for me, it was sort of this thing of, like, oh, I can, like, kind of sublimate, like, my anxieties about masculinity and my anxieties about failing at masculinity, I can just kind of, like, push that all down and be like, well, I'm gender nonconforming, so it doesn't matter. So that ended up being, like, a big feature of, like, my early transition, where now, like, I don't know, sometimes I just, I want people to leave me alone, and I just, like, you know, wear, like, big black clothes and, like, a baseball cap, because it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to the gas station, and I don't want people to look at me. And I guess, like, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I thought being trans was this really exciting thing, and I, like, you know, wanted everybody to know, which was not in my best interest at all, to be completely honest, but... Now I'm at this point where I'm like, I don't know, you know, because I don't want to be on that assimilationist bent of like, oh, I just want to be like everybody else because I'm not like everybody else and that's fine. But it's sort of like, I don't want this to be seen as like my defining feature. I don't want this to dominate my life. And unfortunately, uh, because of the way people see transness, like that means that I sometimes do have to be more conventional in the way that I present myself. I don't know, like, it feels like it is this ongoing series of compromises for me, where it's like, I want people to see me as a man, and masculinity is, like, what you when you transition, what you discover is, I guess, just like, or when I transitioned, I'm, I don't know why I'm using the general you, like, I'm talking about myself, but when I transitioned, I discovered, like, oh, being a man is just, like, really just restrictive. There's, like, basically nothing you can do or say or wear that isn't gay. Um, which, uh would be a bigger problem for me if I didn't fuck men, but it's still a problem for me in terms of, like, you know, like, how do I want my family to understand this, and also just, like, working customer service jobs. Like, I noticed, like, after I spent a while on tea, people that I was doing customer, like, you know, working at Papa John's or whatever, like, people suddenly got a lot meaner after my voice dropped. (laughs) Because it's not like, oh, this is, like, this is, like, a teenage girl. It's like, oh, this is, like, a gay guy and I don't like him and he's preventing me from getting my pizza because he hates me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the evil gay cabal that controls Papa John's. Yeah. Um, destroying your dinner plans. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean that makes a lot of sense, right? There's like a sort of um it's like it it's what you want 
you is like in like a sort of general sense, not you specifically, what like an individual wants, um, and sort of right. It has all it has all these like pressures on it, pushing at it, and that's one thing I really like about this show is just like sort of like getting these stories of people just sort of like saying like, yeah, you know, this maybe wasn't like the thing that I wanted if you know, I had, like, the character creator from The Sims in front of me or whatever, right? And I could just, like, completely customize my life. But it's, like, you know, it was the thing that made sense for me to do, given, like, all these kind of pressures, like, you know, some of which really suck. But... Yeah, um, I mean, it's embarrassing and it's not embarrassing to me to, like, look at my, like, past approach to gender. Because, like, A, I'm not going to judge myself too harshly or anything that oh, yeah. I did when I was in high school. I'm still a young person, and I'm sure that I'm going to look back in five years from now and be like, God, I was so fucking stupid when I was 21. And also, like, so I was homeschooled, but I was not homeschooled in, like, a conservative religious setting. It's kind of complicated. My parents... <laughs> Honestly, like, it's difficult to explain my mom's politics. Um, like, economically, she's very left-wing and is, like, a Marxist academic, but, like, there are certain social issues that she's not particularly progressive on. And my parents have kind of come around now to me being trans, I think because they've just realized that I'm not going to stop doing it. Um, And we were actually estranged for two years uh, for, you know, kind of unrelated, but kind of related reasons. It's all a rich tapestry, but we were estranged for two years. And I was just like, if you don't, you know, refer to me using the name and pronouns that I use in my day-to-day life, I'm just not going to respond to you. Like, it is, if you're misgendering me, then whatever you're saying is, like, beneath my notice. If you really want to reach out to me, then don't do that. And they did eventually abide by that. But the other homeschoolers around us were very just, like, hippie, granola, like, liberal stuff. Or, like, some of them Some of them were more seriously left-wing. Some of them were just, like, libs. Um, but, you know, I would, like, go to my friend's house growing up, and, like, I knew multiple people whose, like, parents were in, like, polyamorous relationships. I would go to my friend's house and like her parents still had like Occupy and like anti-Bush stuff like sitting around their house, like signs, um, okay. people who would take their kids to protests. And my parents were, were never political in that way, but it was kind of around me and in the air. So I think like that definitely influenced the way that I perceived my gender and the way that I perceived transitioning to be in that kind of atmosphere. Uh, because like, I think like people like, it's, it's, it's a, it was a very, it was a very weird thing where I think people wanted to validate it because they felt that it was the right thing to do. And I did like grow up around other trans kids. So it wasn't like I grew up in a super transphobic environment overall, even if my parents were not like affirming. Like I knew two other trans guys when I was in high school. I dated one of them. Um, I knew non-binary people. So it was sort of like, I don't know, like I was online in spaces where being trans was pretty normalized and I was in real life like living in a big city among these kinds of, I guess, like counterculture-ish people where being trans was also normalized. But it was also difficult for me because like I didn't have that support from my family. I couldn't present how I wanted and kind of had to grin and bear it when like, you know, my, my boyfriend when I was in high school got to go on T when he was 16 and obviously I did not. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm still grappling with it now, this feeling that like I, I missed out on being a teenager uh, because I had a difficult time being a teenager. I didn't get to be a teenage boy or a teenage girl. I didn't really get to be anything. Um, and I, 
I felt like everybody kind of like grew up and matured past me and I was like physically stuck and it made me feel kind of emotionally stuck for a long time. And I think something that's like a concern for trans masculine people um, is just like the fear of like, nobody's going to take me seriously. Everybody's going to think that I am like flaky and like stupid and an unserious person. And just because that's like the, the anti-trans stereotype is like, oh, you're just going along with like a trend or whatever, or like a social contagion. And like, you don't have any real autonomy or like thoughts as a human being. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that's, that's a lot. There was a lot in there that was really interesting and that I'm going to um, ask you questions about um, later. Uh, but I guess the... the 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 first thing that's like um when you say high school like you mean you you were still homeschooled during oh, that time oh right yes i was still homeschooled yeah. so i was homeschooled literally my entire life uh i went to okay. homeschooling co-ops which are sort of like this thing that like meets in like a church basement or like a library right. like room or whatever you know this kind of thing where people people's parents will teach classes or there will be a couple of outside teachers hired um I was uh -huh. actually, I was pulled out of all of those when I was 16 uh, because I tried to um, to run away from home and I ended up uh, in the psych ward. Uh, when I was in high school, this is something that I think also that maybe it, it looms very large in my psyche, <laughs> even though it wasn't like a super extended period of my life. And it definitely influences the kind of art that I make a lot. But from the ages of uh, the ages 16 and 17, I was in the psych ward twice when I was 16, twice when I was 17, so four times in two years. Uh, so even like the friendships that I did have with other homeschooled kids and like the social life that I did have just kind of like slowly disintegrated and like disappeared. And there's only like one person who I knew that I grew that I who I know that I who I know who I grew up with that I still speak to. And it was is that person trans or? Uh, no, she's, uh, she's just, like, she's a butch lesbian, and we, like, I think we're sort of able to unite in, like, a shared sense of gender failure, even though, like, we weren't experiencing all the same things. Yeah, but things rhyme. There's, yeah. you know, like, th there, are, there are little tweaks that, you know, end up feeling similar, um. Yeah. Even when what's actually going on is very different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So you you sort of how do you. Right. You you say that you were like sort of like growing up and like um around like a lot that there were other trans people around. When did that sort of like first become an an idea for you that like. I guess sort of like, I mean, this is one of my favorite questions for people is like, do you remember like how you thought about like sex um, and gender as like a small child? And then like, when is the kind of like moment when you realize that like, oh, maybe that thing can change? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was not someone who had like, like, as a kid, I didn't know that I was transgender. I knew for a while, probably about, like, the age of, like, eight or nine, I, like, had privately thought, like, oh, you know, I wish I were a boy. But I I dismissed that as, like, well, that's not possible. So I'm, like, nobody is going to, like, no, and nobody's going to respond to that in a positive way, like, not in my immediate family. So 
I'm just gonna like not think about that. Like I just am a girl and it's unchangeable and that's um and it wasn't like when I got older and I was 13, I encountered the concept of transness for the first time. And I remember thinking originally just like, oh, that's really sad to like have to like go through all of this stuff just to like feel like yourself and feel like you're in the right body. Um, which is funny to me now, obviously. I didn't like I was starting to feel serious discomfort with my body, but I didn't feel like I had like the background or like the pain necessary to be a trans person. Like I saw the accounts of transness. Um just like, you know, vaguely around on the internet or like just seeing stuff on magazine covers at the supermarket and just being like, well, that's not me. Like that couldn't possibly be me. Um, and then when I was 15, um, my friend's younger brother came out as trans and their family was very supportive of it. Uh, he was, you know, he could dress however he wanted, he could present himself however he wanted. And like, that was fine by them. And I saw him and I was just, I realized all of a sudden, like, oh, these things are possible. Like, I could just get a haircut. I could just start calling myself something. Actually, I had, I had been going by a masculine nickname uh, since I was 13 for allegedly non-gender related reasons. Uh, when I was growing up, I went by Mac, which I always endeavored to keep a secret from my parents. Uh, mostly successfully early on, uh, because I knew that they were going to have a, oh, what's wrong with the name we gave you attitude about it. And predictably later when I have, when I had transitioned, they were very touchy about my name. Um, but yeah, so I was just like, I, oh, I could do this. Like I could just start like making these gestures in my day-to-day -day life and like, who would stop me? Like anybody can say they're transgender, even if they had never previously expressed anything. So like, why can't I? <laughs> Um, and I don't know, yeah, it wasn't really, like, I didn't experience, like, a profound and extended, like, logging or pain at first. It was just, like, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. Um, and I guess the thing is less, like, oh, like, but I stuck with it. I don't know. I stuck with it even when it, like, became difficult and complicated. And it's funny because I've never, like, totally had an answer for, like, why did I do that? Like, why is transitioning so important to me? Like, I don't know. I can imagine an alternate universe version of my life where, like, I'm a woman and I'm just going about my business. But I also, at this point, I just feel like that would be, like, a less rich version of my life. Like, I would know less about myself. I would know less about the world. I wouldn't have the, the trans people in my life that I do now. I wouldn't be making the art that I make. Um, and there are things that sometimes to me seem appealing about being a woman, but they feel appealing in almost like a self-destructive way where it's like, sometimes I wish that like I could just sort of fall in line with social norms and not have to think about my identity. Like if I were, instead of, you know, being a man in relationships with men, if I were just a woman in relationships with men, like straight men kind of don't care who you are or what you're like a lot of the time. I'm not saying that's universal, but there are a lot of straight men out there who are like that. And it's like, sometimes it feels like it would be easier to just like be an object instead of a person and not have to like think so hard about how people react to me. But I'm also like, well, that's like not really a good way of thinking about myself or like a self-respecting way of thinking about myself. Um, yeah, it's very guess, like, uh, it's like a way of giving up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is a thought that crosses my mind constantly because I'm just kind of a very depressed person constitutionally. I'm like, God, what if I just gave up, you know?
like what if i just stopped talking to everybody what if i just stopped making art what if i just like dropped out the face of the earth and just like did whatever i mean i think everybody i think a lot of people have those thoughts sometimes yeah oh for sure um especially like yeah when you're when you're sort of um yeah when it's when you're depressed um I feel like it's very frequently just kind of like a, oh yeah, what if I just like did something like really like sort of like impulsive and crazy that just like puts me in like a situation where um, I no longer have to make decisions for myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's the thing that I, I don't know. That's something I struggle with sometimes about being trans is that like, it is like an expression of my autonomy. You have to want it. And I've, I've said jokingly before to friends, like, you know, admitting that you like have feelings and have an internal life is like one of the least masculine things you can do. So really the entire transition is just completely self-defeating, <laughs> which I don't believe, but I don't know. Um, sometimes I feel that way, or sometimes I express it uh, in, a, in, a, in a more concise way, which is just like, what was the point of all this? If I was just going to be a faggot anyway. Um, I don't know. And the, that's the thing. I don't have a satisfying answer to that question. Like, a lot of people, I guess, can kind of just terminate that line of questioning with, like, well, I would have killed myself if I hadn't transitioned. Um, and I don't know that that's true for me. Like, it's not that I don't experience, like, dysphoria or discomfort around my body, because I do. But I probably could have find, like, found, like, alternate approaches to it. It's just that they, like, would have been... I don't know. Like, that's just not the way that I want to live my life. I guess, like, that's the answer that I have about, like, well, why did I transition? Like, well, this is the way that I want to live my life. Um, this feels more honest and, like, more legitimate to me than not transitioning would be. And a thing that I think about kind of frequently is that, like, it's not... When you talk about, like, finding, like, alternative ways of dealing with it and other ways of dealing with it, it's... Like, yeah, you know, like, that's probably a possibility. Um, but those alternative ways are not going to sort of have the same kind of, like, communal salience as, like, yeah. transition. Like, transition is something that is, like, really broadly understood. Like, I mean, you know, understood in a, a small sense, but, like, also, like, right, like, there's you can partake with a lot of you can partake in it with like a lot of other people and i think that there is like actually like a sort of like benefit um somewhere along the line towards like being on the same page with other people you know um like it's nice to have it's nice to have like a sort of like mutual intelligibility about um the way that you're living yeah. your life and like the things that you're doing and um yeah it's not a bad thing that that's kind of socially determined. I think it's just sort of like a fact that, yeah, you know, where where these, um, where where these creatures, you know, um, yeah, I think there's this idea that you know, I I would hope like most trans people themselves don't subscribe to, but I don't know. Obviously, some of them do. The idea that like for transness to be valid, that it needs to be like this isolated, unchanging thing. That, like, if you dropped me on a desert island somewhere or in a completely different era, that I would still be trans and I would still transition. 
And it's like, I don't know, probably not. Like, <laughs> you know, like gender just like means so many different things contextually, but it's like, okay, yeah, it's like living the life I lived in like the milieu that I came from and in like the world that I exist in now, I was like, this is the best option for dealing what I, with what I'm experiencing. And like in other scenarios, I might have chosen to do something else. But it is true that like it allows me to relate to other people about it, because if I had chosen to live my life like among straight people, like I'm nominally bisexual, but like I can imagine very easily a world where like I married a man and I have like straight friends and we do straight people shit together. And I'm like, I, I think about that life and I'm just like, that sounds so like boring and lonely and alienating. And there would be some of like my experience that I would never be able to make legible to anybody. <laughs> um yeah i don't know and i think like so much of what i do is just trying to communicate with other people and trying to like break through this sort of like constant sense of isolation that i feel and this constant like fear of further isolation i mean like when i when i was a kid i you know i probably spent more time than the average person like, not among my peers. Like, I was a Girl Scout, and I hung out with my sister's friends, but I did spend a lot of time alone. And when I was in high school, uh, I really spent a lot of time alone because, like, my parents would both be working. I would have nowhere to go during the day. My brother would be either ignoring me or out with, my fr out with his friends, and my sister was in college at that point. So I would just be alone by myself in the house for hours and hours a day, and I would play board games against myself and shit. Um... Because it was just, I don't know, like, I don't ever want to feel, I don't ever want to feel that way again. <laughs> and I feel it, like, creeping up on me a lot of the time. I guess that's also part of what my comic is about, because, like, the internet was, like, a lot of the time I was grounded from the internet, but I would still find ways to sneak online, because, like, that's what my life was. Like, that was most of my social life. That was my community for a while. Um, and when people talk about, like, oh, like, you know, there is life outside the internet, you know, you gotta go outside, etc, etc. It's like, well, for some people in certain living conditions, there really isn't much life outside the internet, because, you know, they're still living at home. I mean, God, more, than, more people than ever are still stuck living at home. Uh, or just, like, you know, you're poor and you don't have any free time, but, you know, you have your phone in your hand. And there's that, at least. Yeah, I mean, or it's just, like, I, I don't know, I've always been... Um extremely online and had like a lot of online friends that i've yeah just had like you know the relationships that i've had have been um i think equal in term in, like depth and um transformativeness um, yeah no definitely I, I don't know i i'm i'm very pro sort of like I don't know, internet friendships as just like a way of a part of life. But um, I know a lot of people are still sort of like skeptical or, or a lot. I, I feel like there's like a kind of broad base of, like you said, there's this sort of privilege of, um, you know, like IRL relationships. And it's like, you know, those, those are, they're, they're, di they're just different. I think it's not sort of like a, you know, better or worse question. It's just different sorts of relationships for that, you know, serve different function, but it's functions, but are still relationships and friendships. And 
um, can impact us really deeply. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Like, I'm immensely lucky to have, like, real-life friends that I am close to, but I do feel just, like, lucky. Like, this is a thing of, like, this is a, a factor in my life that is the way that it is because of chance, for the most part. And I also have, like, many, like, long-standing online friendships. Like, I've recently met an online friend in real life for the first time, and I've known him for five years. Uh, and it was just so nice to, like, be in the same space with him and give him a hug. But also, like, you know, that was that was great. But, like, the, the meat of our relationship obviously happened without us ever seeing each other face to face. And, like, my life would have been probably pretty different if he weren't in it. And I have, there's, yeah, like, just, just so many people who, like, I would never have interacted to, with or talked to or known if I had not, like, had access to them via the internet. I guess, like, my, my problem with the internet, the part of the internet that I'm pessimistic about is not those kinds of relationships, because I think they're very important and they're very real, but when the being on the internet gets away from interacting with your friends or interacting to small groups of people and becomes, you know, just, like, performing in front of the Panopticon, which, like, to be fair, I also love doing that. I love the Panopticon, um, <laughs> but I yeah. know it's not good it's for me. <laughs> Yeah, like, I pleased to, I'm, like, really, somebody, like, sent me, I mean, I have, like, an anonymous ask box that I let strangers send questions into, uh, so that, like, <laughs> probably says a lot about me, and I'm like, yeah, uh, absolutely, like, go, go ahead, just say whatever to me, it's not a big deal, uh, <laughs> but, well, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, Sorry. I made actually a note of this, because, um, you know, I, I've seen you, um, answering those sorts of questions and it's interesting you're talking about sort of like really wanting people to respect your privacy and wanting to sort of have this um to yeah just just like be a person um compared to the kind of like the sorts of questions you get about the characters in your comic and like these sorts of like not like deep but you get like a lot of like kind of like nonsensical questions right like you get like a lot of like um what are um i don't know just like you know what's what are their thoughts on you know this topic or like have they ever you know interacted with this piece of media or you know yeah what are their favorite songs you know do they like yeah. this kind of food um, yeah sometimes those questions are fun because i do have an answer but sometimes it's like who is this like what is the what are the characters opinions on skyrim and it's like what about me makes you think that I know anything about Skyrim? Like, you're just guessing at this point. <laughs> it's like, I can't I just, have an, an encyclopedic knowledge of all media in the world. <laughs> I just opened your, um, your, your, uh, your timeline and I see someone ask you, what are your thoughts on Nick Land? Which, um... <laughs> I, I invited that. That one's actually my fault because my boyfriend has a copy of Fang Numena that, um, he like had on his bedside table and my friends and I were all doing ketamine and my boyfriend and I were about to do like lines off of the surface of Fang Numena and I was like oh I'm going to take a picture of this and post it because like it's funny um which is honestly <laughs> sometimes this is like an embarrassing thing to do but like sometimes I do feel the need to just be like oh, I'm going to borrow this reactionary cultural signifier, and we can all laugh because we know that I'm not really a Nick Lamb guy. Um, right. I'm not really going to agree with someone who says things like trans women are the genes of gender. But, like, 
There's a part of me that is like immature and childish that like revels in the shock value of evoking that kind of imagery because like I'm also the kind of guy who puts content warnings on his comic about Tumblr and I want to be able to be like, okay, well, I'm not just that, uh, which is like maybe even more embarrassing for me to insist upon it. Uh, but that's why I got the question about Nick Lamb, which is funny because it's my boyfriend's book. It's not mine. I don't read a lot of philosophy because thinking about the world in any kind of large scale way just makes me like suicidally depressed. So I try to focus on other things. And I mean, like accelerationist stuff more than anything else is just like literally like, why don't I just shoot myself then? <laughs> which is probably, you know, it's not a very thoughtful approach to theory, but I just like have an intense emotional knee jerk reaction to a lot of it, probably because my mom is so embroiled in academia. And, like, I grew up, like, hearing about stuff from her where I'm just, like, yeah, no, my, my mom bought me, like, a copy of a Deleuze book for Christmas, and it's, like, I'm, I'm, I'm over it when? forever, actually. When I was uh, 16, it was, like, a book of, I think, like, film criticism or something. Um, a book of what? It was a book of, it was, like, a film criticism-centric piece of writing, oh, I think. Yes, cinema one. And I was into right. film, so, but, like, it was just a much denser text that I would have been equipped to understand at that time. It's a much denser text than it's I would, like, not, invest myself in reading now. It's also not really about about cinema. It's, it's, it's a very strange... It's, that is not a good book to give someone that is interested in cinema. <laughs> yeah. Or that is, like, interested <laughs> in film. It's, um... yeah. We don't really, we don't need to talk more about that, but that's, that is yeah, very no, funny. The, yeah, just, I remember when I first came out, I tried to, when I first came out as trans, I tried to read my mom's copy of, uh, what is the, the you know, the Judith Butler gender book? Is that Gender, uh, gender Trouble? Gender Trouble, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tried to read my mom's copy of Gender Trouble, and I couldn't, like, get through very much of it because I was just... I was 15 years old and I didn't understand the language at all. And then my mom was later like, oh, you couldn't even finish gender trouble. Like, what do you know about gender? I know more about gender than you. Um, which is just a funny response to be met with. That's a 15 year old who was like, oh, I think I'm trans to be like, well, you haven't read gender trouble. Um, <laughs> so my attitude towards like philosophy and theory of all kinds good. is very like influenced by just my mom being like, oh, he hasn't even read gender trouble. <laughs> That's that is that is deeply terrible, but also very funny. I'm I'm sorry for you. Um, That's okay. Honestly, like in re like I'm just like at least it's funny. Like at least like I was emotionally terrorized in like a novel way that like not as yeah. many people have experienced. It's like fun <laughs> like, to talk about at parties. Yeah, we found the the Judith Butler reason reader in you know 2016 or whatever 2015. That's um gonna be transphobic towards her child. That's um honestly not terribly surprising. I think people give Judith Butler too much um they give them too much credit with uh respect to trans people. But um damn yeah, I yeah. wouldn't know. I didn't finish the book. <laughs> It's okay. You you didn't need to. Um, I mean, they're they are they are they are genuinely like. Yeah, like I. I gender about, trouble like, is gender trouble is like an early book in their career, and they are. They have come to a very good place, but there's stuff in gender trouble that is not. 
necessarily um, trans friendly, um, or that makes it not surprising that you know someone that someone could be like your mother, um, that we could end up with that sort of person. Yeah. Um. Oh right. What I was gonna say to um, I I do want to clarify. Like, it's like I think reading theory or philosophy is like bad. Like, I probably maybe I would benefit from it. Maybe it would be like a mind expanding experience for me. But I'm like not at that place in my life. I don't know when or if I will be. Uh. So sometimes people talk about things online or even honestly just like in my social group, and I'm just like, well, that that scares and confuses me. But uh, you know, I trust that like you're coming from a sincere and thoughtful place about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. But yeah, I am. I am an an ex philosophy PhD student now, and um, I think people read too much. <laughs> just generally, I'm like, why are you all reading this? Like, don't you have fun things to do? Um, like, yeah. The like, other thing I was gonna you know, say, I, I I do this because it's my job. I don't. Yeah, you're 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 actually you're obligated to. Well, not anymore, thank God. But um, not anymore. Well, I don't know. I mean, I I do I do still love it, and I will still do it for fun, regretfully. Um, not regretfully. It is something I genuinely enjoy. It's just it's. Yeah. I think that a lot of people don't seem to enjoy it, and yet do it. Um. Yeah. There's a that's... sense of like grim obligation. Yeah, and I I th- I don't think that they need to do it. I think that they can just enjoy their life. Um. But, you know, something that I'm noticing, like, throughout this conversation is, like, how many details of your life are sort of, like, kind of chopped up and distributed among the characters. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. (laughs) And and what happens next. And um, I don't know, it's it's very funny, like, how how do you think about that? How do you think about, um, you know... I mean, which character, which character, and what happens next has the most fucked gender? Let's. <laughs> oh man, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of interesting candidates for that. Uh, yeah. I think out of the characters who are currently introduced, because there are some some members of the cast who just like have not shown up yet in this point of the co- in the comic, who do have some gender stuff going on. But out of the current characters, I think Gage is like a really funny. I think he's a really funny type of guy that I'm sort of just, like, trying to record. Uh, this person who is doing, like, uh, like, so someone who is a, a they-he uh, school shooter slash serial killer, like, fanboy. Uh, I don't know. Someone who is, who is, like, fantasizing about like being in a codependent relationship with like an abusive like masculine figure but is also like kind of borrowing some of the traits of that masculine figure themselves uh it's just like i I don't know maybe i'm like it's hard to explain it's hard to explain uh the the gender deals i guess of my of my characters um No, I mean that 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 makes a lot of sense. I think Gage is my kind of cast uh for 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 who you would answer and the yeah. answer that I would sort of um tee up, but um Yeah, I mean a lot of the characters in the comic have not like had enough sort of on page time to really discern a ton about their gender. Like Vicky shows up more later, but she's like a relatively minor presence in the comic as it stands now. 
And Milo is just sort of like, he like knows that he's a man, but he's afraid of the consequences of being a man. <laughs> um, he doesn't want to be seen yeah. as someone with the capacity to do violence, and as we all know, being a man is the violence gender. So uh, that's uncomfortable for him. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's, it's kind of funny to sort of like, um, I think when, when I was reading, I don't think it's until, um, no matter what, right, where we sort of see, um, Milo's family and they're all, you know, dead naming and misgendering him, um, yeah, right, it's like kind of this like shock at first because you just sort of, and then you know you realize like oh this makes like all the sense in the world because of all these you know yeah things that are going on like of factors. course you know how would how would a person in a situation even like assert something like that you know um, yeah I mean you uh, talked about how like I in in the writing there are clearly like bits of like my own experiences sort of like chopped up and scattered throughout it and. I guess with Milo, it's like, that wasn't really my precise experience. Like, by the time I started medically transitioning, for example, I was, like, already out of the house. Uh, I moved out when I was 18, went to college, dropped out, lived with friends for a while, and I've been living in, like, a a housing co-op shared space ever since. Uh, But I think, like, just thinking about that fear of, like, loss of autonomy, and also, like, the response of, like oh, I'm transgender with not, like, oh, get out of my house, or, like, oh, that's disgusting, but with just, like, no, you're not. Like, you you couldn't possibly know that about yourself because you don't, uh, like, you don't have that level of self-knowledge. Uh, and, like, I'm also autistic, uh, as it's mentioned, I think, in the comic that Milo is, and so it probably comes from that direction as well. Uh, yeah, it's just this, this sort of, like, it's this sort of combined thing of, like, the 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 type of transphobia the type of misogyny inflected transphobia that's like you are like not able to make your own choices for yourself and then also the similar like ableist approach to like well you also can't make your your own choices for yourself and like of course like that's kind of the point of milo as a character is like he's just sort of been like he just kind of like lets uh the world around him like he, he he doesn't perceive himself as having any agency in his own life and that's partially because he has been through these things these these experiences where he was robbed of his agency uh like you know being in a criminal psychiatric ward for a chunk of his life and also because like if he accepts agency then he has to accept that like he's responsible for his own actions which he doesn't want to do right i mean and it's also you know i don't know like the sort of um Right, like the 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 crime that he committed, right, is also one that's Yeah, he's like, an accomplice. It wasn't even like it was not like it was his idea to do it. Yeah. No, I mean like we we see sort of like the the scene where it's I think it's like literally like Gage is standing there like still holding the knife and is like we have to get this into the furnace, right? Yeah, like he's just already um, like rushing Milo along. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I mean that's you know Right, there's like a sense in which like you you always have some sort of autonomy, right? But the autonomy the autonomy that Milo has in that situation, you know, like what are what kind of choices are available to you in that situation, right? Um yeah. and what kind of choices like are are plausible for you. You know, I think a lot of people probably want to think that they would, you know, 
react differently in that situation. But I, I think it's probably pretty hard to, you know, I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's yeah, maybe, maybe I'm maybe that's the, giving Milo too much credit. Or something, <laughs> but it is sort of like. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, like if yeah. you're like 15 and you're like I, um, I actually, I think it was before I encountered your comic, but I had a, I had like a nightmare kind of similar to, um, kind kind of similar to this out of the story in the sense that like, I had this nightmare that like, a friend of mine, like my like best friend, like going back to like, you know, third grade, we're both trans women, um, that she killed someone, and I like had to help her like and you know like i don't know it was this like it was this like horrific situation it was this like terrible nightmare but um yeah fuck <laughs> i don't know yeah. it's um it's really kind of like a terrible situation um and i don't know i mean i saw you again like speaking about your um you know anonymous question box or whatever i think i saw someone ask the other day like what's the point of the comic um and you said something like uh Sometimes terrible things happen to really annoying people. Um, yeah, which... <laughs> yeah, that is part of the crux of the comic, I think. I mean, you know, yeah, thing I mean, I've, I've thought of in the crux of the. There's a lot of things I've thought of, but that that's a big one. <laughs> right. I mean, like I think about that uh, that panel in like the first, um, in the the, the first um, the in uh, in dog names, right? Where um. I think it's like right. Milo says like sometimes it feels like they hate me for who I am and not what I did. And you know, Vicky says like in my experience, people can do both pretty easily. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's sort of I don't know. I think a, a thing that's kind of great about the comic is that it I feel like it um it doesn't privilege either of those positions, right? It sort of you know takes those as both. You know, they they can all be true, right? And that when you're in the position of being that person that, you know, does feel, you know, um, all these things, like, for good reasons, like, I don't know. It's, it, it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And you can still be really annoying. <laughs> you can still be really annoying. That's the thing. Like, I guess part of the other sort of, like, thesis of the comic is just, like, just because something bad has happened to you, like it it doesn't necessarily make you a better person or a stronger person it and it's sort of like my milo's like traumatic experience has not made him stronger or wiser it's just sort of like left him stuck in this pattern of behavior where it's like okay this is what you did to like cope with the aftermath of this experience you sort of relinquished power over your life because like you know, during your your you're arguing like, okay, well, I didn't want to do this horrible crime. Like, I was pushed into doing it, and he's been saying that over and over again for so much of his life that like that's just become like the narrative of his existence that just kind of blots out everything else. That he's not responsible, um, and it's not like he's a bad person for like thinking that about himself or living that way. But it's also just like, okay, but you can't do that forever. <laughs> um, it's not right. like a, it's not something that's making him happy either. And part of it is also, like, I guess just the fear of being... The, what I've described it before is, like, being so annoying that, like, nobody cares about you anymore. Like, the worry that, like, you are going to become, like, alienated from other people in the way that just, like, the bottom drops out from under you all of a sudden. Um, like, Milo is afraid that he's going to have nowhere left to go when his dad kicks him out. Um, or that he's, like, going to be institutionalized for the rest of his life. Like, he's afraid that he's not going to be able to be a part of society in any meaningful way. 
Um, right. And it's funny. I think like writing about it is sort of like with regards to like my own personal problems, like I'm I'm kind of putting my own worries into that aspect of the comic of my worries. Like, am I going to be able to participate in society? Am I going to have somewhere to go? Am I going to be able to like figure like make my own choices and like live my own life without being weighed down by previous experiences? And also there's sort of like a thing that is, I don't know, this is only only semi-related, but a thing that I just like feel like I want to touch on personally is like Milo is like he is like the year the the year the er the year I don't know he is sort of just like this archetypal example of a particular type of of trans guy where it's like we all know this guy we all have this guy in our heads like every trans mass person does probably like most trans people do in general and a lot of bigots do also of just like this guy who is like like the the way that he like looks and the way that he dresses and the way that he speaks is just like this is the guy that I like wake up every day and that I am afraid of being which like is partially like like these are all of the things that you shouldn't be if you're trying to be a man um but obviously like there are things about Milo that are like terrible and like it's just like you you would not want to hang out with him like he's really irritating but it's also like um, like, he's also, like, a legitimate person with feelings, and, like, the way that he looks, or the way that, like, or, like, the sort of subcultures he's a part of, like, they don't negate that. And I felt, like, either, like, there's either this push among trans guys to be like, oh, well, trans men aren't really like that. They aren't really, like, Tumblr special snowflake pastel soft boys. Or to be like, well, they, they, some of them are, but I'm not like that. And it's like, well, what about the people who are pastel soft boys? Uh, what about the people who are special snowflakes? Like, don't they deserve to be happy? Like, don't they have internal lives? Don't they have their own problems? Yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, and, and I, 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 I love the comic for, um, for, for doing that in a certain sense. I think it's a really interesting kind of, um, exercise in that we I, I feel like you don't see too frequently in fiction right well maybe you do i don't know this kind of i guess you don't see it in this sort of like particular um idiom really and i don't know it's it's just it's a really um it's it's i don't know you know like i, I think it's um and it's been interesting to see sort of how it, how the comic has evolved and how this sort of way that the story is told has evolved. And, you know, when I went back through and um, I'm trying to remember, I think I I first found dog names or saw dog names going around a little bit. It was probably a, a good while after you initially posted it, but then I read it and then I read, um, you know, someone else and um, no matter what, um, as they were sort of coming out, um, or I think, did, did you put out? Did you 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 put out um, someone else all at once, right? Uh, I think like I put a lot of it out pretty close together, and then I remember there was a period where my okay. tablet broke, so I had to take a break. I do know that that's the only one that I like that I re like I I rewrote dog names and like added stuff to it, kind of like as I was making the comic, and because no matter what has been this like kind of huge undertaking for me. I've rewritten parts of that too. 
And someone else is the only one that, like, I never rewrote any of. I, like, had it all in one go. And, like, I knew exactly how many panels long it was going to be and exactly what the dialogue was going to be from the beginning. So even though I didn't release it all at once, I can see how, like, it would feel that way, like, more so as a story. Okay, that's interesting. Well, because part of what I'm thinking about, right, is sort of, um, I don't know, I guess it it was interesting when I when I went back through and reread it. Um, I guess just sort of like how much kind of like cruelty there is from kind of every angle um, in the story, you know, um, right, like the sort of, I mean, murder is i think like a very cruel thing to do but then yeah hot take um, <laughs> hot take <laughs> but like um you know dog names the i mean the original you know the the title right from this like um right it's it's like a it's like a drawing of a 4chan comment where someone you know is like what's with um ftm trenders and dog names um <laughs> referring to uh milo and griffin um yeah right it, it just kind of is this like you know um this, this kind of very casual internet cruelty that i think is, is just sort of distilled very well and yeah um, i mean i think like obviously like i'm not the first person to point out that the internet makes it easy to be cruel to people but it's also just sort of like i don't know like it's easy to be cruel to people on the internet it's also like easy to be like well, I'm being cruel to them for like a good reason, and yeah. well, but it's funny because yeah, <laughs> the, like there the really thing, is the no thing good that reason. Comes out, the thing that um, comes out really well in um, no matter what, right, is that this is also a thing that's happening like in real life, and that's happening like specifically like within Milo's family, right? You have yeah. um, right, like the uh, you know, th- I think there's you know milo's dad is is kind of cruel i think yeah or very cruel um you know to milo and in like a kind of similar way like right like you know he's he thinks that that cruelty is for a good reason you know he's saying like i've been enabling you i can't do this anymore you have to this is going to be good for you somehow right and it's yeah it's it's never clear like what that how or why why you would expect that to be good right yeah, but uh, I mean, a lot of people are just firmly of the belief that you can bully and harass someone into becoming a better person by making it painful to be the person that they are. Uh, and, you know, the idea is that that'll encourage them to change fundamentally. But, like, that's not really how that works. Like, when people are confronted with that kind of cruelty, I think they just kind of double down on, like, the things, the behaviors that are hurting them, and they kind of shrink back into themselves because they see how hostile to them the world is. It's not like a catalyst for good behavior. I think you have to, to some degree, like like yourself and accept yourself in order to change and improve. Like you can't come at that from a direction of self-destruction and be successful. And you can't tear down other people and expect them to like react in a positive or constructive way to that because you're not offering them anything positive or constructive. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that I found I find real I found really interesting, um, especially when I was rereading over it, but at, you know, sort of as I was thinking about it too, or as I just was reading it for the first time, um, is kind of like this distinction between how dog names is told and how um, 
and then the sort of like the way in which like the story is told you know like you still have these panels and um you know uh no matter what and someone else where it's just like sort of these screenshots of um like the tumblr ui or like a youtube video or like a zoom call or something um and they're all really you know they, they are all really detailed and they all it's this like really I, I don't know i feel like i've never seen kind of storytelling like that um you know how much is kind of packed into you can pack into one panel through that kind of you know the use of that that sort of touchstone but then also um the way that you know i feel like um no matter what has kind of when it sort of like gets into like oh these like sort of like real life things are happening to milo right like in the sense of it's like oh you know he has to like leave his grandmother's house and now he has to like you know he runs away to like live with gage and is like now like doing all these things with gage it feels like it's like really kind of like it's kind of like plotting i don't mean that was like a, a, a no yeah like my, lot, my right? comic does sort of yeah i mean no because the first two comics are a they're both much much shorter than no matter what and also like there's basically no there's not much plot to them at all they're just sort of like a series of events that are being presented um i mean i guess because like partly like dog names and someone else are both like fairly short and fairly self-contained especially with dog names i was just like i don't know if i'm ever going to do another of these like i don't know if i'll have the energy to make this an ongoing thing and no matter what was the the part of the comic where I accepted, like, no, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm going to keep telling this story. Um, and part of it is also just, like, I don't know. Dog, Dog Names was written kind of, like, thinking a lot about, like, true crime media and, like, internet drama media, which I think are kind of both two types of the same thing. Um, and just, like, how those things are represented. And I was kind of imitating that form a little bit of just, like, it's a lot of like just characters speaking to the camera um, and like screenshots, the way you might splice screenshots into a video or you might splice them into a forum post. Uh, and then someone else is just, there's basically like no like movement in someone else. Like there's no like physical, none of the character, none of the like three primary characters are ever even in the same room with each other. Um, so much of my comic is just like <laughs> somebody on their phone typing. So that's also like fundamentally it's just it's just sort of a it's just sort of a couple of conversations that characters are having there's not really a plot to it uh it's just expanding on sort of the world that dog names sets up versus no matter what where i was like oh no like i do have a clear story idea where i set up these this sort of scenario and it's like well what are the consequences of this scenario like how am i going to knock down or start knocking down anyway like the dominoes that i've set up and because I knew that I was going, that I was committing to working on it as part of this longer story, I also just kind of decompressed the storytelling a lot, like something that I might have just gestured at with one panel or two panels. Like there's more full conversations that play out in No Matter What, as opposed to just snippets of dialogue, even though there is a thing where sometimes there are screenshots, sometimes it jumps around in time in unusual ways. Um But it it's more like a straightforward, like, yeah, I'm telling a story now. This is this is the plot. There's an inciting incident and in everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of how, like, 
like yeah the the three parts of the comic definitely like felt very different to write and i imagine like read very different from one another yeah they do but they all um but i mean it it really makes sense i think both like sort of like from your perspective as like a person like trying to tell this story and you know being unsure of what exactly you're doing with it um um but um Sorry, I like lo I lost a, a train of thought where I was. Going That's fair. There. I mean, that happens to me a lot. Like honestly, I have no idea if like any of what I'm saying is like remotely interesting. I'm just no, like I, mean, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of saying shit. I think it's very interesting, right? And I think it's um, I don't know if you've like somehow made it to this point in the episode without reading um, what happens next. You know, go read, go read dog names. Go read someone. Yeah, else. go read my comic. Um, they are they are genuinely very good. Um, they were sort of um, they spurred me to actually like sort of like do a longer sort of self directed study of um, like contemporary queer comics and and stuff like that. So um, I've been reading a lot of a lot of stuff lately. Um, that's been very interesting um, and very fun. But um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like gosh, like what what am I you know, it's kind of a an unstructured situation. I'm just sitting on my bed talking into my phone and I'm like, gosh, like what do I like what do I want to use this space to talk about? I don't know. I guess I probably well, could have like taken notes or something in advance, but I did not do that. <laughs> well here's so I did this is this episode is going to come out, um after um i just recorded an episode the other night with alice store um oh yeah i'm a little bit familiar with her work we do follow yeah each other. yeah i'm i'm a huge fan of her um of her her short stories so um that was a really great time i had and this is a question that i asked her and i thought was interesting so I'll i'll pose it to you too do you feel like your own sort of like um way of doing gender way of thinking about your gender has changed as a result of sort of like doing the creative process of writing this comic um do you feel as though you've had any kind of like reflective um reflective effect that's like worth talking about or i mean do you feel like the comic was kind of you know i feel like um the way that we're talking about this, it seems like the comic is in some ways like kind of inspired by these sorts of reflective. Um... Yeah, that's that's definitely the case to a degree. I mean, a thing like I don't know, there's some stuff that like definitely it like forced me to confront about like how do I like see trans trans mass people as a community? How do I see trans masculinity? Because like even though I'm not directly writing about that in my comic per se, like obviously I am writing about it. And um, part of the comic is, like, sort of exploring this disconnect between, like, Milo, like, as a child and, like, Milo as an adult. Like, they look completely different. Like, it's sort of, like, this sort of... It's this, like, derailment of his life trajectory in a way that, I don't know, I kind of feel I've experienced myself in some ways. And 
I don't know. Now, now I'm like, now I'm getting sidetracked. I had a thing that I wanted to say that I guess I don't know if this like adequately answers the question at all. But I guess just sort of grappling with my own like shame about my gender and my gender presentation and being trans and like the kinds of trans people that I saw around me and being like, well, why am I ashamed of this? Like, what do I think is so bad about like being trans masculine? And part of it is like, well, I don't want to be the person that I was when I was 15 years old. I mean. I guess it's probably not. It's. It, I didn't think of this when I wrote the comic, but the fact that Milo like commits this murder at the same age that I was when I came out is like okay, yeah. There's probably like at least some accidental symbolic resonance there. Um, but this this is gonna feel like a really a really strange and honestly kind of heinous thing to cite. But um, when uh, Nick Mullen, the Come Town guy, who uh, I, I I'm gonna say I don't care for uh, as a human being. I guess he wrote this blog post when he was turning 30 years old, uh, when I saw screenshots of it go around on Twitter. And uh, there's this thing where he's talking about a, a guy who like made an embarrassing forum post, basically, about like all of his favorite characters wishing him a happy 33rd birthday. And he's... That's, that's, like, a, that's like a famous like, copypasta. What's it called? Uh, the, the Game Master uh, Anthony copypasta. Yeah, Game, Game Master Anthony, yeah. Yeah, and um, he's talking, I like have it open in front of me because I knew that I was going to bring this up. Uh, all of my friends are like, shut up about the Game Master Anthony Nick Mullen article, or Nick Mullen essay. <laughs> it's like, it's weird that I'm fixated on it maybe, but uh, yeah, he talks about, uh, really, I'm tethered to Game Master Anthony by fear. It's not empathy nor derision, and it's certainly not a healthy balance between the two. It's a sense of there, but for the grace of God, go I. He zips past my head like a hot bullet. I can feel him on the tips of my ears. How close have you come to being an unfuckable loser, turning 33, alone, posting about a fictional birthday party with your only friends, Mickey Mouse and Sailor Moon? How often do you look up from your own life, thinking about how just okay it's going, and have the same feeling when you realize you almost stepped off the curb in front of a bus? What happened? Could that have been you? Is that you? Did I die and this is the afterlife? Am I Game Master Anthony, sitting here, eyes closed, turning 33, imagining friends, friendships and contentment built on terms other than my own? He's terrifying, a near-death experience, oblivious to himself. I hate him, I want him to go away, I hate myself. And I remember just, like, waking up one day, you know, scrolling through Twitter and stopping to read that, and feeling, I don't know, like, a profound, like, a very real sense of internal conflict about, like, what is the project of my art? Like, what am I doing when I write about someone like Milo? Um, am I doing the thing that, am I, because I feel like I'm feeling the thing that Nick Mullen does when he, like, looks at the, the Game Master Anthony post. I'm thinking, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. I hate him, I want him to go away, I hate myself. Like, it's this feeling that I profoundly understand. And... I guess, like, he just accepts that as, like, a natural, like, this is a part of his being, this is a natural order of the world to be ashamed of that kind of, like, childlike, uh, that kind of childlike behavior, particularly in public, um, and I guess, like, the difference for me is, like, well, I want to interrogate that, like, what makes that happen, what am I afraid of, uh, and also, like, how am I similar to that, how am I different from that, because I think a lot of people like, look at, like, people, you know, behaving strangely on the internet, or they look at people who are involved in these true crime cases, 
and their thought is just, well, I would never do that. I would simply never be that way. I would just act normal. And something that I know about myself is for me that that's not true. I feel like, not that I'm an inherently evil person, but that I am like capable of doing really bad things. I'm capable of acting out in ways that are really embarrassing, sometimes like from experience or sometimes just because it's like, well, I know how I act in stressful situations and it's not like a way that I'm proud of. And I know how my experiences have shaped me and it's not necessarily this positive thing. And I think, I think there's a way, I don't know, like, I guess like I'm looking at like my own fear of, you know, of being, of being this, you know, logged on, shut in, embarrassing myself, uh, being emotional on the internet. And I'm thinking like, okay, but like, I don't know, like, I guess just trying to place that in context and trying to, to face it and interrogate it instead of like responding to it with knee jerk, like shame and anger. I don't know. I don't know if any of that made any sense. <laughs> no, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think that that's... Um... Yeah. Because, I don't know, I think some people read the comic and they assume that, like, I don't know, I guess, that, that Milo is, like... I think maybe they assume that, like, I am a kinder person than I am, which is funny, because as you mentioned, there is a lot of cruelty in the comic. Um, and I do have, like, a level of, like, love for Milo and a level of, like, affection for like the tumblr community that i was a part of as a kid and like all of the like you know sort of like all of the sort of like kindly like like i don't know just like the other dorky trans guys that i knew when i was a kid around all these homeschoolers um like there's a part of me that also feels some affection for that, but there's also a part of me that like really hates it, and it like really hurts me to uh, acknowledge like that's my history, like that's you know that's where I come from as a person. So I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of internal conflict, I guess. Uh, yeah. So that's yeah. I feel like that's a that's like an important key to like my my sort of gender is like I'm always. I don't know. I feel like there are these two, there, there, there are sort of these disparate like types of approaches that I've had to gender and different approaches that I've had to my life that are just sort of kind of like, I think always going to be a little bit at war with each other. Like there's always going to be a desire that I have to like fit in with conventional masculinity or to fit in with this, you know, idea of being a man because like I need to live in the world and I need to be around other people and I do care about how they see me. I'm not like creating my ideal life in the Sims, but there's also a part of me that's like, but I don't have to be limited by that. Like I can't let like the gaze of like people I hate uh, determine what I do with my life. Yeah. Yeah. And right. It's important that there are like things that are like part of your like you know, like, most fulfilled life or whatever that are going to sort of, like, put you at odds with those conventions. Yeah. Um, and I guess that that's maybe, you know, the prompting for, like, a progressive political project or something. Um, not that, like, I don't know, like, any individual is, like, responsible for that, right? But, like, just sort of, like, I don't know, that seems to be, like, I guess a thing that unites like interest in like social justice or whatever justice or whatever right is like yeah 
or maybe you know more specifically i guess like feminism or whatever right um just like that um i don't know gender's yeah fu- gender's fucked um gender's so, fucked is- yeah i think like part of the reason i formed my gender identity <laughs> in the way i've had is like also just sort of a reaction to the idea that like transitioning and being a trans man is like a betrayal of feminism in some way or like even if it's not that I always have to be like on my guard to like make sure that I'm not oppressing women which I don't know I think is maybe a valid concern it's a valid concern with regards to like my positionality in relation to trans women but like I don't know I don't think that like cis women have some like profound experience of misogyny that I couldn't possibly understand it's like whatever I was there um sometimes people yeah. i interact with in public still think i'm a woman so i don't know um but there's really, there's it's, it's i'm kind of not like it's not like women don't do misogyny to each it's other. not like women don't do misogyny so yeah i, I guess like know, i'm it's not like there's it's like you have the same responsibility as everyone else you know that's kind of the um... yeah and just couching it in terms of like like i just yeah i think so i i have kind of I don't know, like, just hearing about, like, toxic masculinity and, like, male privilege and, like, my existence in relation to that on Tumblr and sort of this fear that, like, if you try to embody conventional masculinity in any way, that, like, that's somehow evil. Like, that was an idea that I encountered a lot in those circles, and I think I have kind of calcified, uh, for better or for worse, uh, in response to that, where I'm just, like, I don't think that, I don't think that really describes my life. Uh, or the way that I relate to women, or the way that I relate to other people, but thanks for playing, I guess. It's just a very reductive view of gender, I guess, that is just, like, you know, that doesn't take in, into the, the into, that doesn't take into account, like, the complexities and nuance of, like, how people's identities intersect and how that can affect the way you move through the world as a certain gender. I don't know. Like, I don't think that, like, by transitioning, I got, like, a get-out-of-jail-free card uh, for, like, having to deal with misogyny. Um, But then I don't think that transitioning... Like, I don't know. I don't think that, like, it's not, like, something that I have to think about and reckon with, but I don't think that I'm, like, uniquely... I don't know. Yeah, continue. This is a point that um, has been percolating on the pod for some months now um i think i originally sort of like put these words to it um in a dm to ephraim after our first my first episode with her um so if you're listening you know you can turn back the tape to uh i believe the episode is called um you can feminize your own boy um <laughs> uh i think Good I, title. I, I, I dm'd her afterwards and was just like you can be misogynistic to men. Um, and that's kind of the whole thing, right? Is that there isn't, yeah. like, you know, people sometimes, like, think about these things as if they have, like, some, like, you know, like, misogyny is when bad things happen to women. Um, and yeah, misogyny is this kind of structuring force that insists that there's, like, these two sexes, the two sexes mean these things. There's a hierarchy yeah. among them, but it's like misogyny is the thing that's like also like, you know, it's not like it doesn't affect men. It clearly affects men, right? You know, that's sort of um Yeah. I mean the thing that I said towards the beginning of the episode is like, oh, I transitioned to male and I was like, God, there's nothing you can do that isn't gay. 
Exactly. Like being a man can be incredibly restrictive in its own way. And like cis men have do have to go through their entire lives like, you know, sort of feeling the weight of those restrictions if they, you know, fail to conform in any way. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't really um I've been meaning to sort of dig into it more. There was a kind of um streak in the like sixties, seventies among like sort of like, you know, gay counterculture types to kind of like define um to kind of like put homophobia and misogyny like in the same like under the same heading that was sexism and they sort of like read homophobia as a form of sexism because you know so much of what it like sort of like ends up like meaning in terms of like not like just like homophobia in the sense of like you know um gay relationships and gay sex are gross and bad or whatever but like the kind of broader homophobia of like you have a gay lisp you know that doing this is so gay all these things which you know are of course built together but they you know had this idea that they could be that they should that they could be grouped under this like heading of sexism as like oh these are like sort of like these pervasive structuring you know forces that have to do with sex and that are you know affecting all of us um yeah yeah i mean i'm not qualified to make like any like sweeping statements about sex and gender but i think there is at least like some truth to that like i think that that feels very true to me in the sense of like when you encounter homophobia it's kind of because like you are not like you are not as a man or as a woman like relating to the other gender or relating to sort of this gendered societal structure at large the way that you're supposed to and like part of that is like literally just sexuality it's like well women aren't supposed to have sex with women that's what men are supposed to do or you know vice versa uh but then obviously that comes out in all of these other gendered ways and it also kind of encompasses trans people um in the sense of like well this isn't how you're supposed to be relating to like your gendered role in society you're supposed to be doing it this way. Um, and sexuality, like, does, uh, like, it, it, it is a part of that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, when you define misogyny as just, like, when bad things happen to women, it kind of ignores, like, it's more like, you know, it, it, it's, like, obviously a disdain for women, but also, like, a disdain for anyone who who engages in behavior that is, like, society, societally aligned with womanhood in some context. Right. And also, everyone hates like, it. Everyone, everyone hates, hates it. It's when someone's fruity, right? Like, everyone hates it when someone's fruity. People kind of find it annoying, and they shouldn't, for one, because it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, they should try it. Like, it's pretty they good. They should try it. It's really, it rules. I love it. Um, but also, um, it's okay if someone's annoying. Like, if someone annoys you, you can just leave. Like, you don't you don't have to be a jerk yeah. with them. You don't have to, like, ruin their life. Um, you really don't have to ruin someone's life because they're weird and annoying. Um. <laughs> <laughs> lesson, of, uh, lesson of what happens next. <laughs> lesson of what happens next. It's just not necessary to do all that. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Oh, my goodness. Um. I feel like it's, I, I had this thought while I was rereading it, that it's, 
right? There's like a there's a couple panels that are like Kiwi Farms comment comments in um no matter what and over the course of publishing no matter what kiwi farms has ceased to be a thing i think right is it gone uh unfortunately they have uh gone back up they have this other guy hosting them i believe i you know i'll just type it in right now and double check but i believe as of right now the website is still up it really did seem like they were going to go down for a moment there and they might still eventually just because it seems like it is costing uh, the owner a lot of sort of money and time, uh, an effort to like to, to, to keep it up. Um, yep, it's still there. Um, but it was, yeah, it was gone for a while during no matter what. And like stuff like that just sort of like aligns with the comic in, in funny ways sometimes. Um, unfortunately, also the, the, the arrest of like Christine Chandler and like the Tucker Carlson segment about her. Uh, happened right after I finished Dog Names, I think. And I did pause for a moment and be like, to be like, do I like want to keep contributing to, do I, do I, I I was afraid for a moment, like, am I just kind of contributing to this kind of like public circus of, I don't know, like, it's, it's sort of like, is, is the solution to the Kiwi Farms phenomenon just to completely ignore it and not talk about it at all? And is that what I should be doing instead of writing about it? But uh, I decided, like, no, I I don't feel that way. I think, like, I don't know. I don't want to, like, write in a way that is, like, obsessively focused on transphobia or the effects of transphobia or just the effect of, like, that kind of, like, adult schoolyard bullying in general. But I also don't want to pretend like it doesn't exist and, like, it doesn't influence people's lives because it does. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think... I, I understand where you're coming from. Um... I think that the only kind of response to something like that, though, is to sort of, like, I don't know, yeah, like, talk about it and think about it, and think about it in, like, a smart and intentional way, um, which is what I would say that the comic is doing, right? And sort of, um, I think that that's kind of part of the project of improving things and making things better, and I don't know, yeah, like, making it uh, so those things that don't suck quite so much. I've kind of stayed intentionally and blissfully um, unaware of everything that's happened with Chris, with Christine Chandler. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, like, I was the kind of, you, I don't know, yeah. I I talked about being, like, a Tumblr kid, and, like, that was sort of my main internet subcultural influence, but I also, like, did keep up with, pretty intently with, I guess, just, like, the other side of things. Um I was, like, really into cartoons as a kid, and because of that, I, like, frequented the cartoons board on 4chan and the My Little Pony board, and I, like, saw how people behaved there, which was, like, this totally different set of social norms. Um, And I did spend a lot of time reading Kiwi Farms in high school, even as I was like, this is pretty disgusting. I was never, like, a participant in it because I understood, like, no, like, this is fundamentally wrong, but there is this sort of bio-fascination to, like, I don't know, like, you see people say horrible things about people that are like you, and part of it is, like, is this, like, is this what's true? Like, you see things that are cruel and pessimistic, and there's a part of you that's, like, maybe the only reason I don't believe this is because I don't like the implications that I've had, that it has for me. It's sort of like the fallacy of depressive insight, where you're just, whatever, you're, like, miserable and you hate yourself, you're like, oh, this is the deeper truth that I've uncovered, (laughs) but, like, actually, you're just depressed. I don't know. It's sort of a similar mindset where I would look at that stuff and get really caught up in it. Um, 
and be like, am I living my life wrong, even though I knew on an underlying level, like, no, these people suck. Right. <laughs> right. But there's something intoxicating about, I don't know, there was something intoxicating for me about making myself miserable in that way. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, like, when I was reading Atlas Shrugged when I was, like, 14 years old. I was like, wow, this is so intoxicating. This is so right. This is so smart. And then I put it down and, like, had to exist in the world normally for a week. And then I was like, wow, yeah, if you, like, lived the way that that book wants you to live, you'd be, like, miserable. You wouldn't have friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, not good. It's bad. It's sad. It sucks. <laughs> Yeah, it is just like I think it's like an uh I, I don't know what, what website it's from, but the, the article headline that I always see screenshotted as a meme that's just like I don't know how to tell you that you should care about other people. And it's a cliche at this point, but it's also like yeah, like <laughs> you know, these people who like, you know, get off on just, you know, being cruel to other people. It's like, well, I don't know how to tell like you know that you shouldn't be doing that. Like you know that that's not pro social behavior. And you do it anyway because, like, you get a kick out of it and it's fun for you. Um, but, like, there's kind of no arguing with people who comport themselves that way. Which is very yeah. frustrating. I honestly, like, with the Kiwi Farm stuff, like, it's funny because they've kind of claimed that they have this ideological opposition to transits in particular. But if you follow the history of the site, like, it's really not like that at all. I mean, like, they're transphobic because, like, that is a mode of being cruel to people. That is a, like, that is a form of societal oppression that they can exploit to find easy targets. But, like, they, like, as long as they're punching down, it doesn't really, like, matter that much. Um, and one of the people who was sort of cited as, like, a victim of Kiwi Farms who committed suicide was, like, a cis woman. Um... And it's like, well, where does that fit into, like, your idea that, like, you're just protecting women and children from, like, the evil groomer transes who are, like, trying to cover up their misdeeds? Like, it doesn't fit anywhere. And it certainly doesn't fit with the fact that, like, most of the people the website covers are, like, people who are clearly not in a good place in their lives, who are, like, by and large, like, you know, flat broke. I mean, I guess it's just the classic thing of, like, oh, your enemy has to seem powerful and influential, but also powerless and pathetic at the same time. And it's, like, implying that there is this, like, huge trans cabal or whatever and the rat king of social influence as they mock people for, uh, you know, having GoFundMes or even, like, opening commissions in some cases, which I think is really funny. Um, not funny, but, like, I've seen them be like, oh, this person e-begging and it's, like, a screenshot of their commissions page. And it's like, this person's offering a service. <laughs> I don't know why that one... <laughs> this isn't really relevant to the discussion. I'm, I just remembered seeing that and being like, Gosh. <laughs> um, no, that's funny. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Well, we're coming up on the, the hour and the half and a half mark. Um, All right. Yeah. Is there anything else that you like want to to get to before we go? I honestly don't think so. I feel like we've covered kind of a lot of it. Um, do you have any closing thoughts or final thoughts? Um. Hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, it's, like, hard for me to, to, like, even, like, delve into something at all without just sort of going on a 30-minute ramble about it. I guess uh, it, to say just, like, it's been, it's been great talking to you. I hope this was meaningful or coherent in some way. 
I don't know. I don't feel like I like unlocked any profound truths about gender or even that I necessarily like told a complete story of my own experience with gender, but I hope that I like gestured at some things and like had something to offer that was of interest to your listeners. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, always that's always the goal. I think we're not trying to. We're not trying. We're not. I don't think we're gonna get to anything. Uh, yeah, we're not gonna reinvent the gender wheel. We're not gonna get to anything true, but we're gonna get to some interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, criteria for truth is pretty pretty fucking high. I don't. I kind of don't think anything can fulfill it. Um, that's fair I, I probably shouldn't be too down on myself by being like oh i'm not getting at any profound truths about gender right now i mean the kinds of people who think they're getting at the profound truths about gender uh while they're talking to someone on a podcast uh those are people who probably like are, <laughs> are being a little egocentric that's probably not the kind of person i would want to be anyway yeah yeah well, thank you uh, so much for being here. Um, thank you for uh, for sharing your comic with the world. I really, I really do like it a lot. Um, thank you. Yeah, I'm just so gratified that people read my work and like it, and that I've sort of been able to develop this internet presence that people interact with. Yeah. Um, thank you to the audience for uh, listening to this podcast. Um, thank you to yeah. July for our intro and outro music you can check out more of her music at tinytachyon.bandcamp.com um if you somehow made it to this point without googling without doing the work to find um max's comics i'll include a link to uh where you can read them all in the show notes but um i guess maybe I yeah should maybe i should have mentioned that at the start of the show. i don't know uh you can find me at maximum graves on twitter you can read my comic at whathappensnext.webcomic.ws. Uh, and that's about it at the moment. I don't know. If the Twitter apocalypse really takes place, uh, I might be spending more time on Tumblr or co-host or something, but uh, I'm pretty much planning to go down with the ship as far as that's possible. Yeah, I, I, I made a Tumblr um, the other day, and so far, I'm just enjoying it for, um, I feel like everyone is kind of like, all the all of my friends that have gone over there with me are kind of reinventing their their posting styles. And it's just interesting to see the same person and look at different contexts. Yeah, I do have a Tumblr, but it's not like a public facing thing in the way that my Twitter is. It's just like something where I see a cool picture and I'm like, ooh, uh, and then I hit reblog on it. <laughs> so it's not really... Uh, it's just not the same kind of presence as my Twitter at all. So I will not be plugging it. Uh, unless people want to see a lot of, like, saw gifs. Uh, and, uh, just, I don't know, paintings that I thought looked neat. Okay, okay. Um, you know, they they can hunt that down if they want to. They can hunt that Um, down, yeah, they can investigate me. That's the thing. Um, I don't know. If people if people dig through my garbage long enough, they can probably find out uh, pretty much everything they could possibly want to know about me. Yeah. I like. I try to be a private person, but I'm bad. At it. Well, you know, we we've kind of come full circle, and um, I guess that's the show. So uh, that's the thank show. You. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you for having me on.
Yeah, thank you for coming. It was great. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.